All right. Well, good morning again. Welcome to H2O. Uh, my name is Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, uh, it is so exciting that you're here. I know uh, as we start off a new year, there might be some of us that are kind of checking out church. Maybe that was one of the things that we had on our list of things to do as we're going into 2018. So if you're visiting, if you're newer to H2O, it's great to have you here. And, and, and as we start this new year, as we jump into 2018, it's a really interesting thing that we do here uh, that in our country as we start a new year. Uh, we oftentimes, there's something that, that resonates with us about starting something new. If you really think about what happens from December 31st to January 1st, there's nothing significant that happens. I mean, astrologically, there's nothing that happens. There's no equinox. There's no solstice. There's, there's nothing that happens different in the skies, but there's something that happens within us as we go into a new year that we want a fresh start. We want new opportunities, and so many of us, we set goals or we make resolutions and we try to become the people that we want to be or that we think God wants us to be. And that's kind of a tradition for many of us. You know, it was, it was kind of funny. Uh, last year, going into 2017, I was at our church office uh, on uh, January 2nd. And I was messing around on Facebook after I'd done some work. And I left my Facebook logged in at the church office, okay? That's a bad idea because we got some jokesters around here. So as soon as I left, a couple of our staff, they, they jumped on, they realized that, that I was still logged in, and they decided to hack my Facebook account. Can you believe that they did that? That seems like a fireable offense to me. And, uh, and they started messing around, and they posted this goal this goal that I had for 2017 to binge watch more of the Gilmore Girls, okay? So you can, you can throw up the slide. This is what they, they wrote. I'm, I'm so thankful I got to take advantage of my winter break and binge watch a new season of Gilmore Girls. If L Loretta and L Rory, I don't even know how to say their names, doesn't make you cry, I don't know what will. Hashtag goals, okay? And, and so it was pretty funny because all of a sudden my Facebook started lighting up and I'm like, what is going on? And one of my pastor friends uh, who, who isn't a pastor here, he, he put in the comments, he said, I've never wanted to punch you in the throat more than right now. And, and I was like, I, I finally read it and I'm like, I've never wanted to punch myself in the throat more than, than right now. And so as we think about that, you know, we like to have fun with the goals that we set. We like to, to make resolutions, but it's something that many of us do. I'm going to just do a quick survey here. I I'm going to call you out. Uh, if you've made some type of goal, some type of resolution gone into 2018, just raise your hand here real quick. Okay? A lot of us, right? It's something that resonates with us. Now, here's a harder question. Okay? If you've broken that goal or resolution or, or maybe just haven't kept up with it already yet, would you be willing to raise your hand? All right. A few of us. Okay? Here's, here's what's really interesting. U.S. News reports, and I don't know exactly how they get this data, but, but they report that 80% of New Year's resolutions or goals are broken by February. Okay? Not, not just broken throughout the whole year, you know, but broken within the first 30 days of the year. And so uh, sometimes I wonder how committed really are we to this process. But even though we joke, even though we have fun heading into a new year, I think setting goals is something that's important, right? I think becoming the people that God wants us to be is oftentimes accomplished with setting a goal. I heard uh, this, this phrase from a pastor that, that I like that I thought was really powerful. He he said this. He said, we can remember and we can learn from the past. We can remember and we can learn from the past. We can think about and we can dream about the future, but we can only act on the present. 
Okay, so we can remember and learn about the past. We can think about and dream about the future, but the only place in time you can act is in the present, which is right now. And that's why setting goals is a pretty important thing for so many of us because it calls us to action. And sometimes as we're going about life, you know, we think about areas of, of our finances, we think about areas of our careers, and, and we may set goals for those areas, but sometimes we think, well, my faith, that should just happen. You know, my, my faith is just something that, that should just play out on its own rather than being intentional with it, but our faith is a faith of action, not just dreams, but action. And so uh, not just theory, but actually putting it into practice. You know, even as we're here this weekend, it's Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, right? And tomorrow we're going to celebrate his legacy. And you think about a man who epitomized that reality, right? Uh, he, he learned from the past. He saw how his people were so mistreated and brutally handed and handled. And so he learned from that. And, and he had a dream, right? I mean, that's one of the things that we, we know so much about him was this vision for the future that he dreamed about and he gave a amazing, inspiring speeches about, but what made Martin Luther King Jr. an amazing man that we still remember to this day was he acted. He took action. He was willing to press into what he believed and fought for, and he literally changed the world and was a part of a movement because he was willing to take action. And so that's where we find ourselves today. As we start off the new year in 2018, we want to be a church that calls ourselves and calls our people to action. And so this series that we're talking about, this, this goal series, is really defining who we are and, and talking about the goals that we want to strive for as a church. And this isn't so much about setting uh, number goals. This isn't so much about you know saying we want to have this many people come or this many church plans. This is about our, our very core, our values, our DNA, what type of church we are are and what type of church we want to continue to become. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about these goals that we have, these values that we have. And today specifically, we're going to talk about the Bible. Because one of the, the core values at our church, one of the things that we believe wholeheartedly must center our church around is the Word of God, is the Bible. Now, maybe you're here and you're going, okay, well, you're a church. You know, of course you're supposed to say that. I mean, of course you should value the Bible. Well, it's interesting because that is not always the case within churches. Many of them do, but, but sadly, sometimes there, there's opportunities or sometimes there's churches that may have started off on a great path, but have gradually drifted further and further away from following the Word of God, following the Bible. And we've seen it with ministries, we've seen it with churches where they may have started on a firm foundation, but they've drifted. And so for us, one of our goals is that the Bible would be central to all that we do here at our church. It's so important for us. We want to measure our successes by what it says in God's word. We want to measure our failures up against God's word. Everything we do, we want to be supported by the Bible. We want to be a church that is continually centered on God's word and the way that we act and the way that we treat one another and the way that we function as a church. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. In fact, here's our big idea. The big idea is this. The Bible is our source of truth and life. Okay, the Bible is our source of truth 
and life. And so as you think about that, that is not only true for our church, but that should be true for every single person here who calls themselves a follower of Christ. You see, the reality of searching for truth is something that that so much of our culture and so much of our world uh, is searching for, right? Truth is something that we're we're always trying to figure out. That's why we hate fake news, right? No matter what side of the, the political spectrum you're on, you don't like fake news because you say it's not true. There's something wrong with it, right? We want truth, but we don't always know where to find it. We don't always know where it can come from. In fact, our world and our culture, there's kind of these three broad categories that we, are, that we get our truth from or that we get uh, our source of authority from. And, and the first one is internal. You know, some of us would define truth internally and internally only. In fact, that's where a lot of our culture and our world is. And so how this might sound or how this might play out is, hey, you got to go search and find your truth you got to go search and find out what's true for you. You have to figure out what, what makes you happy and then go do it and don't let anybody tell you anything otherwise than that. Your truth is the number one thing that you need to find. And, and those of us who, who've kind of subscribed to that, that's this internal belief that I can only find truth within looking within myself. The problem with this, and in, in much of our world and culture, especially Western culture, has embraced this to, to a large extent. But the problem with this is it can be so self-centered and it can be so deceptive. Because the assumption that starts off there is that our intentions are always going to be in the right place and that what's good for me will also be good for other people. But the reality is when we only base our truth on what's internal, what's good for me, what I may want to do for my own life, may actually bring harm or pain to somebody else. And so if I'm only looking out for myself, if I'm only trying to find truth internally, it leaves us in a cycle of just searching over and over again. And we can't ever find that happiness because it's not meant to be found only from within us. And so some of us search for truth internally only, and it's left us a little bit empty. Others of us, we search externally. Okay, and so, so we're looking, and, and maybe we let the, the views of our culture, of our world, maybe we let popular opinion be what decides truth for us. And so we say, as long as everybody else is okay with it, then, then I'm, it must be okay. It must be true. And so we let truth be defined by the world around us. But the problem with this is it's constantly changing. It's constantly changing. And so we never have a target to shoot at. But what the Bible teaches us is there is a true source of truth, and that is eternal truth. That is God himself giving us the truth, giving us the truth in his word. See, if you believe that truth exists eternally, then you believe that there is a moral creator who set things into play and still interacts with us in this world, and he gives us specific things that are true, that don't change with the tides of popular opinion, that aren't necessarily just based on our emotions and our feeling, but transcend those things because they're given to us by the eternal creator of the universe. And that's what we believe here at H2O. We believe that the Bible is our eternal source of truth. It's God's written word spoken to us. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. 
you know, as, as we talk about the Bible, I just have to give you a quick kind of overview of what the Bible actually is because uh, we might hear a lot about the Bible, but some of us, we're still confused as to what is actually in this book right here or what it is even made up of or, or how it even came to be. And so simply put, the Bible is this. It's a compilation of 66 different books and letters that was written over a 1,500-year period by uh, about 40 different authors and that was all pulled together and we believe it was all inspired by God. Now, the Bible's broken up into two main sections, okay? The Old Testament is everything that happened before Jesus was born. It was the first part of the Bible, about this big, you know? And so it's, it's primarily written in Hebrew, and it's telling us the, the story of God's people, the Jewish people, and how God is going to redeem them. That is the Old Testament. It's primarily written in Hebrew, a little bit of Aramaic. And then we get into the New Testament. The New Testament is all about Jesus' life and the early church and what that looked like. And that is written primarily in Greek. And so the, the Bible is written in two primary languages with a little bit of Aramaic thrown in there in the Old Testament. So this book is a compilation of a bunch of different letters and books that was written over 1,500 years by 40 different authors. And you may say, man, that seems pretty complex. I mean, there probably is just a lot of different ideas floating around. Right? I mean, if you, took, if you took a bunch of different writings over that period of time by that many different authors, authors wouldn't you say, you know, man, that, that book is just going to be really disjointed and all over the place. One of the amazing things about the Bible is that even though it spans this distance of time, and even though it has so many different authors, this book unfolds with a single message about God's plan to redeem humanity about God's plan to bring wholeness and hope and peace to you and to I. And as we think about that, it makes the Bible so amazing. And, and it's something that we want to center ourselves on as a church. It's one of our goals that we would never stray from that. So let's open it up. Let's see what the Bible has to say about the Bible. And uh, let's see what God's Word teaches us about how we can learn from it. I want to look at a passage in 2 Timothy together today. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And, and 2 Timothy is a letter written uh, by one of those 40 different authors, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is writing to one of his young mentees. Apostle Paul is a mentor of a young man named Timothy, and he's writing this letter to Timothy as kind of almost like a father figure, encouraging him and instructing him. And he comes to this section where he's talking about the Bible. And he says this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. It says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. And I want to stop right there because I think we're going to pull out three different things from this passage of Scripture. And the first one is this. The Bible is our source of eternal life. The Bible is our source of eternal life. Do you see what Paul says to Timothy there? He, he says, uh, the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. See, here at H2O, we believe that Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of eternal life. We believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. But the way that we know about Jesus is to read about him in God's word. The Bible. You see, we wouldn't know Jesus. We wouldn't be able to understand Jesus unless we went to, to the Bible to understand and hear who he was. And, and the amazing thing about the Bible is all throughout, again, the Old Testament into the New Testament, this whole thing 
points us to God's redemptive plan that is fulfilled in Jesus. And so, and essentially, the whole Bible is about Jesus and the way that he lived. And, and this book gives us what every single person is longing for, deep down. It gives us the tools. It gives us the insight into how to live forever. You know, as we look out at our world, and we see brokenness, and we see pain, and we see death, there's something that sits within us and says, that's not right. That's not how it's supposed to be. And that's what God says as well. You see, God doesn't like that the death and destruction and pain that we often see. And so he made a way for us in Jesus to overcome our sin, overcome our brokenness. And so God in flesh came to earth in the form of a person, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead, proving that he is in fact God, as the Bible teaches us. And this is how we get eternal life. You know, this week as I was preparing is reading these different stories about the impact that the Bible has had on the world and that the Bible has had on individuals' lives. I was reading uh, these stories about the church in Iran right now. Did you even know that there is a church in Iran? The, the church in Iran right now is exploding. In a country where there is so much persecution, in a country where there is so much, you know, hate towards Christianity, the church is thriving and exploding. And as I was reading this story, I started reading this story about a man named Raza. And Raza was training to be a Muslim cleric, and he was at this seminary as he was going to, to try to, to learn to be a Muslim cleric. And somebody left a New Testament out on the table. They weren't supposed to do it. In fact, they could probably get in big trouble for doing it, but they were trying to get the word of God into people's hands. And so they left the New Testament on the table at this Muslim seminary, and Raza picked up the New Testament, and he went home and he started to read it. And as he was reading the very words of God, as he was reading about Jesus, he started to fall in love with Jesus and he gave his life to Christ. There wasn't a person that walked him through a prayer of salvation. There wasn't even a Christian for him to, to see the example of living out. He just read the Bible, and it literally changed his life. And then he started searching for other Christians, and he realized there's other Christians out there, and they started to unite together. And now he's a church planter who's continuing to plant churches in Iran, a place that is so hostile to the gospel. And I thought, that is the power of God. You see, the Bible, it is our source of eternal life. And I know there's even been stories within our church, there's been stories that I've been a part of where people read the Bible and it literally changed them. And so it's powerful. It's our source of eternal life. Let's jump back in. Let's see what else Paul says about the Bible. Verse 16, we're just going to look at these five words. It says this, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is god See, secondly, the Bible is our source of truth. The Bible is our source of truth. We talked about this uh, a little bit already, but, but the reality that God actually breathed out through inspiring these 40 different authors, the truth of his words is so powerful. Uh, another verse in, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, says it like this. I think this is a, a beautiful section that talks about the power of God's word. It says, wait a minute, do I have the right verse there? Yeah, Second Peter, sorry. Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20, it says this, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. 
For prophecy never had its origins in human will, but prophets through humans spoke from, though humans spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, nothing in this book has its origins in humanity. Everything in it is inspired by God, and so it is our source of truth. You see, it's accurate. It, it doesn't have any errors. In fact, something that's really interesting about the Bible, and we're going to talk about just a couple of objections that people may have, but something that's really interesting, and, and, and one of the ways that, that we have to be honest with ourselves, because uh, if we're claiming that this is the Word of God, then we need to test it for accuracy and truthfulness, right? I mean, if we're going to base everything we do as a church, everything we do as a follower of Christ on a book, then we should be not afraid but willing to examine it and say, is it really true? Because our faith isn't just about taking blind faith. Our faith is about asking questions. One of the amazing things about the Bible is history and archaeology, as we've dug and we've learned new things, has always confirmed what the Bible says. Isn't that amazing? Like when they go on a new archaeological dig and if they find something new, there's never been an archaeological dig that has contradicted the Bible, but it's actually always supported the truth that is written in the Bible. You see, the Bible is our source of truth. Some of us, we might have objections. And if you're here and you're starting off 2018 and you're just kind of searching and maybe that was one of your goals is that you would somehow, you know, just experiment with a faith community on some level or another, that is so awesome. And we're so glad that you're here, and, and we want you to just come along in this journey, and if we can do anything to support you and encourage you and equip you, we would love to. But I want to answer just a couple quick objections that I've heard people say about the Bible that I think have been um, pretty interesting. One of the things that, that people say sometimes about the Bible, they say, well, I'm not really sure if the Bible can be trusted because, I mean, there's so many different translations. Right? And so because of the fact that there's so many translations, I'm just not sure if I can trust it. Um, if you've ever thought this or said this, let me put your mind at rest. Uh, that simply should not at all affect our, our confidence in the Bible. The different translations that we have are to help us to understand the Bible. But uh, as we take a different translation, they all go back to that original language that it was written in, either Hebrew or Greek. So it's not like the different translations are all based off of each other and they get further and further away from the original intent. The, the translations, each one of them individually, goes back to the original source and helps us to understand what is written there. And so as we think about that, we realize that, that the, the manuscripts that exist from within the Bible are some of the earliest manuscripts of any ancient literature that exists. And so we cannot have any doubt that, that the Bible is, is truthful. And I'm being told that I lost my mic somehow. So... I will grab this one right here. Secondly, there we go. Sometimes people say, well, maybe it's a little too outdated. You know, maybe the Bible is, is too outdated. It was written, you know, again, 1,500 years ago, so how can it actually apply to us? Well, we have to remember that, again, God's truth is eternal. And it transcends culture and times. Now, there are some things in here that are cultural that we have to find our way how to navigate through, but it doesn't change the fact that God's truth is eternal. And so our job as followers of Christ is to learn to apply what was written to a specific culture in a specific time 
to our lives during this day. And so it is certainly not outdated, even though there are things from thousands of years ago, we get to figure out how do we apply them to our life in the 21st century. So the, the translation shouldn't scare us. The, the outdatedness simply isn't a reality because that's where interpretation of the Bible comes in. And then third and finally, sometimes people say, well, yeah, but there's a lot of contradictions in the Bible. And, and I, I always love talking to people when they, when they raise this concern. Uh, I remember, especially in college, you'd have a lot of different conversations with people around the truth and validity of the Bible. And, and so my first, you know, question or thought is always, man, I've been reading the Bible for 20 years and, and haven't found one. Would you be able to just show me one? You know, would you be able to help me to see a contradiction? Because I've never found a contradiction at all in, in the Bible. And, and one of the things that we get confused on is, is a mystery and a contradiction. That's to say that there are some complex things in the Bible, things like the doctrine of who God is. Shouldn't the doctrine of who God is be kind of complex? <laughs> like if God is truly, you know, omniscient, if God is greater than, if God is who he says he is, he's going to be a pretty complex being. And so we should understand that it will probably be a little bit hard to wrap our finite minds around, but that doesn't make it a contradiction. It's just something that's hard for us to understand. And so all that to say, we believe that the Bible is our source of truth here at H2O. And then third and finally, let's jump back into the text. It says this, all Scripture is God-breed and is useful, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that brings us to our final point. The Bible is our source of abundant life. Okay, so the Bible isn't just our source of eternal life. The Bible is our source of abundant life. You see, the Bible is used to instruct us, to show us how to live. You see, the reality is God wants abundant life for us. He doesn't just want eternal life for us, that someday we'll die and go to heaven and be with him forever. God wants abundant life for us right here and right now. And so as we look through the Bible, it has solutions for every problem that we face in life. The Bible is so amazingly practical. You know, if you think about some of the hardest things that we face, relational challenges, financial challenges, uh, all these different things that we face in our life, the Bible has specific instructions for how we can live our lives in a way that honors and glorifies God. And it truly is an amazing book. And so our goal as a church is that we would never waver for that. I want to read you this last quote. It's, uh, it's a quote from J.I. Packer. It says this. It says, Holy Scripture, the Bible, should be thought of as God preaching. God preaching to me every time I read or hear any part of it. God the Father preaching. God the Son and the power. God the Holy Spirit. And so what J.I. Packard is saying is, you know, sometimes we come to church looking for a sermon to kind of fill us up or teach us something new. God has written sermons to us, and all we have to do is open up his Bible. If I said, hey, um, next week here at H2O, we're going to have a guest speaker. Um, he's going to maybe say some things that, that are a little bit provocative, um, but, but he's going to be really good, and you're going to be blown away from it. His name is Jesus of Nazareth, um, you know, and so he's going to be coming here and teaching. You might want to get a seat, you know, and, and so everybody would probably show up, right? We'd be like, yeah, that's awesome. I want to come hear Jesus teach. We have the opportunity to do that every single day. 
It's right here in our hands. What an amazing gift. And we have the opportunity to do it way more than people in other places of the world. And so here's what we want to close with. Uh, in this series, these four weeks that we're talking through these different goals, we want to encourage you to consider setting a goal around the topic that we're talking about. And, and so there's a little uh, card in your handout. If you want to set a different goal, feel free. But we'd love for you to say, God, what do you want me to do around knowing you through your word? What do you want me to do around the reality of your word being my source of truth in life? And so here's what our goal is. Here's what our challenge and our staff is going to do this together. And we'd like to invite you. We want to read through the book of Mark as we close out January. The book of Mark is like 14, 15 different chapters. And so it breaks down really easily. There's about that many days left in the month. So one chapter a day for the rest of January. Let's read about Jesus together. Because how can we follow Jesus if we don't know who he is and know what he did and know what he says? And so our challenge, our goal as a church, and we'll be posting this on social media, we'll be trying to rally around this, is let's get into God's word. Let's let Jesus preach to us through his word. And let's see what it does in our hearts and in our lives. So if you want to fill that out on your goals card, we'd love for you to do that and follow along with us. All right, I'm going to pray and invite the band to come back up.